0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals, I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich.
1: We get tomorrow housing starts and building permits. So the interesting thing there will just be you know the seeing per, perhaps the impacts of input costs or, or ability to get you know materials in order to build more houses and uh, and and allow for more uh, building permits to occur for the month of July. But you know so the housing starts number is a little bit weaker uh, than expected last month in in June because of uh, some of the you know kind of supply demand constraints in that. So that'll be something to watch tomorrow as well.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LPL Market Signals Podcast. I'm Jeff Bookbinder, here, your host for this week. Filling in for Ryan Dietrich, who's traveling. Really happy to be joined by uh, my friend and colleague, Mark Zabicki, Director of Research. Uh, hello, Mark. How are you today?
1: Doing well, Jeff. Very good to be with you. And, 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 and Ryan's Replace, replacement, I guess, for at least for the time being. So I'll, I'll do the best I can. Yeah, we
2: we don't want to replace Ryan permanently, uh, so <laughs> we'll be glad to have him back uh, next week uh, with with your your normal host. Uh, we'll try to give you another good show here. Um, I think I'm going to start with just um, you know Mark's thoughts on the market here, high level. I mean, there's a lot going on. We were just talking about how. If you look at the news flow, it looks like stocks should be in a bear market, right? Now, we're down a little bit today as we're recording this uh, on Tuesday, but but uh, within about a half a percentage point of all-time highs on the S&P 500, uh, hardly much of a pullback yet. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts about the market here, uh, given all that's going on? Uh, you've got Afghanistan, you've got Delta variant, uh, certainly some things for um, uh, for investors to worry about.
1: Sure. I mean, it's... Hard to step in front of the moving train that is the U.S. equity market, it, you're probably at this point. I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, we've got a you know, pretty red day here. You know, overall, uh, it's not it's not that substantial. Um, you know, you know, I think, you know, the, the Afghanistan thing, I don't know that there's long, long, long term and deep implications for global equities, per se, Um, so we'll leave, we'll leave international governments to work that out. You know, I think that, um, uh, from, from a Delta variant perspective, that probably has a little bit more legs, perhaps a reason to be a little bit more concerned in terms of, you know, what happens to, to economies specifically in the U S what, what, you know, what the government does in terms of kind of you know kind of tightening the reins a little bit perhaps on this economy or, or the strictures that may you know come with any kind of rules changes around um you know kind of quarantining or masks or travel or anything that may come about as a result of this you know we we don't know at this point um but that may have a little bit more legs so i, I don't know there's, that there's anything to really worry about yet, but the Delta variant is something that we're, we're keeping a very close eye on. Uh, and then there's always that aspect that we all know, you know, August, September, typically not great months, uh, for, for equities. So, you know, maybe we're, we're getting a little bit of a dose of that today.
2: Yeah. Add to that, uh, concerns about China, certainly. And then in, the inflation story is not over. We'll talk a little bit about this. So, um, Those of you watching uh, on um, YouTube can see that we have um, a packed agenda here. Stagflation is one element of that. So, um, you know, there you go. The uh, inflation story is not uh, quite over and we'll have to watch the Fed. So here's the, uh, you know, the agenda. We're going to start with COVID, get into an earnings season recap. Earnings were so strong, it actually led uh, to us recently uh, raising our Earnings forecast and S and P five hundred target. Uh, big news, certainly. So a lot to cover. We'll we'll get in a little bit deeper to all those things we just mentioned here. Uh, I'll start. You know, you kind of uh, teed up. Um, you know, COVID. Mark, let's 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 start there. As as you're looking at the S and P five hundred, is just straight up and to the right. Um, and, and certainly, um, we think it can still go higher. Um, you know. Covid remains a concern with the Delta variant. I think people are uh, hanging their hat on um, a couple of things. I want to get your thoughts on first. You know, people just don't have uh, the tolerance. There's no there's no political appetite for broad lockdowns, um, and so it's it's very difficult to envision a scenario where we get to that. Uh, that's first. Second of all, um, it appears that uh, the Delta variant is. Is um, you know being tolerated better certainly than the last um, wave or two of COVID. Of course, the big difference is uh, the amount of vaccinations that have been done. So, <clears throat> talk to folks, sort of put it into perspective here, um, just how worried uh, we should be about Delta, and how is it different from uh, maybe the last couple waves.
1: Yeah, I would say, Jeff, that's correct. I mean, I don't know that we are expecting any kind of broad-based kind of shutdowns, that type of thing. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a drag economically that may may come from this. That that remains to be seen. And, and your last point was well taken in terms of the the end impact on. You know the the population. While it's it's never a good idea to get you know have people sick and never in in ICU beds, you know at capacity across uh, areas of the country. Um, so that that's a that's a problem. But the, the vaccinations, the increased vaccinations in the U.S. specifically, has resulted in us or in our ability to to kind of withstand the the onset of, of additional number of cases, and that can be seen. Uh, by the right-hand chart in, in this slide, the deaths as a percent of cases still remains low. So that speaks to perhaps our, in, in, you know, our education uh, in COVID over the last year and a half, uh, and it speaks to the vaccination impact on holding down the the um, the, uh, the the illnesses, perhaps in terms of the the impact of those il- illnesses. Uh, per person. So, um, you know, the question for us, just from a market perspective and economically is, is what is, you know, what is the impact of, of an increased, you know, Delta variant on, on the economy? And, you know, does it cause us to perhaps um, raise our eyebrow in terms of the way we think about growth going forward? It's too early to say at this point, but, um, again, something certainly to keep an eye on, uh, and and perhaps we're seeing a little bit of that uncertainty, that lack of visibility, if you will, uh, in in equities today.
2: Yeah, certainly, um, COVID is, is part of the reason why stocks are a little bit weak today. <clears throat> you know, if you look at some of the high frequency data, you know, number of people going through airports, uh, dining at restaurants, uh, things like that, commuting. Uh, to the office we have seen a little bit of a dip over the last couple weeks so that'll certainly be something to watch this is not certainly something we're we're taking uh lightly um actually we got a little bit of a taste of the impact in the retail sales numbers just this morning uh that were certainly a little bit weaker than expected that is a very covid sensitive um data point so uh we'll keep watching that closely um you know of course the um you know, the key driver of stocks over the long term is, is earnings. And so when you think about Delta variant and, and frankly, any of these risks to the economy, we really want to think about how that could impact earnings. And so, uh, the the good news there is, you know, we've talked about this the last few weeks that hurting season was just outstanding. So I won't, you know, spend time too much time anyway, reviewing the stats, but just know that, uh, you know the the upside surprise here was over twenty percentage points for the second straight quarter. Now to put that in perspective, uh, before COVID, a six, seven, eight percent upside surprise was really good. <laughs> that was about as good as as we got in terms of the uh, S and P five hundred earnings relative to estimates uh, during earnings season. So just absolute blowout again. We've essentially had five straight blowouts uh, but you know the markets don't uh, you know look backward they look forward. And so looking ahead, we actually think uh, that the momentum is strong enough uh, to continue uh, to put together a string of upside surprises, maybe not 20 points, but certainly more upside surprises. So you see here you know up close to 90% growth uh, on this chart for the quarter and even after we slow down in the next couple of quarters we'll still probably be, Uh, somewhere around 20%. Uh, A number of reasons to be confident that earning strength continues. One one of those reasons is revenues have been uh, so strong. This is a chart of revenue surprises by quarter uh, going back a little over a decade. And during the pandemic, they've just gotten better and better and better. Uh, So last quarter was the all-time record. Uh, This data goes back um, a little bit before the financial crisis, but it's it is a record highest recorded by FACSET, biggest revenue upside surprise. And revenue surprises are more sustainable, right? The um, you know, profit margins can, can swing around a, a lot more. But once companies are locked into a certain level of revenue, uh, they tend to have an easier time maintaining that uh, than a specific profit margin. And so we would, we would look at this and say uh, the strong earnings is likely to continue certainly for at least the next few quarters. Um, And uh, we have a very strong uh, economic outlook. So you got to give corporate America a lot of credit. Uh, Mark, they've just done a spectacular job uh, managing their bottom lines.
1: Yeah, and what's what's interesting to me, and given the growth we've already seen, which has been tremendous, you know, kind of post-COVID, I mean, we still have inventories that, you know, kind of, decade-long, decade lows, effectively, since, you know, low amount of inventories last seen since since 2011. So um, there, that, that's a tailwind, you know, as we continue to grow out of this um, COVID environment. Um, consumer spending likely continue to be a, a tailwind. I mean, there was a, there, there was a lot of um, personal saving that went on in 2020 um you know a little bit of a spike in personal saving in early 2021 but you know that's been that's been kind of trending down but but savings rates are like around 9 about 10% they're usually around you know 6% so um there's pent up saving there that that probably will be spent by consumers over a degree of time so there is a there is a tailwind um out there that that um that we have to see economically, and you know, in, in just in terms of the COVID situation, the question is: is th- does that you know, does the Delta variant slow uh, the realization of that tailwind a little bit? That would be, you know, our concern. And and you know, the interesting thing about you know, I spent the weekend, or not the entire weekend, but a little uh, a flight in and flight out of of uh, Charlotte Airport this weekend, and and boy, that place was packed, and I, and I, so it, it led me to kind of looking at flight data uh and you know we're back other than the dip that you mentioned in some flying that that's occurred over the last couple weeks um we're back to 2019 highs in terms of the number of flights so i mean it really has been a dramatic you know rebound um and we we think there's a little bit more to go actually given the the low inventories and the consumer spending so um feeling pretty good overall but the The Delta variant causes us to, you know, raise our eyebrow a bit.
2: So, Mark, you and Ryan are supporting the reopening by flying. Uh, I have been supporting the reopening with a heavy contribution to retail sales because the bookbinder household uh, just took advantage of um, tax-free weekend here in Massachusetts. And uh, let's just say we did some serious damage. Uh, So look for that bump the book bump and retail sales next month.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to bet the tax free weekends in Massachusetts don't come around too often. So yeah, do you'll get get them while they're hot.
2: They uh, don't
1: call it taxachusetts for nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks for those thoughts. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the inventory rebuild will help earnings uh, going forward. And certainly there's still some uh, some reopening to go. And by the way, last thing, uh, before we get to our higher forecasts, um, the guidance has been really strong. The, the ratio of positive guidance to negative guidance is like 25 percentage points above average. Uh, not quite as good as the prior two quarters, but really strong. So for the companies that guide, uh, we've been getting good news. That's been helping estimates go higher as well. So here are our updated forecasts. Uh, we outlined this in the weekly market commentary. Uh, this week, which um, is available on LPL.com, posted that I believe Monday at noon Eastern, so it might be one PM Eastern. So, um, I mean, the the headline here is certainly that the S and P five hundred targets going up, but um, I want to actually focus on earnings first. So, earnings, um, you know, when earnings uh, exceed your expectations by five or six percent, then you know, it you're almost forced. Uh, to raise your stock market expectations by, you know, the similar amount. And that's, that's exactly what happened here. So, um, you know, we went from 195 to 205 for S&P 500 earnings for 2021. And then we went from 205 to 218 in 2022. Uh, that led to uh, the increase in the S&P 500. Fair value target from 4,400 to 4,450 up to Forty-six fifty to forty-seven hundred, so we went up about two hundred and fifty points. Uh, that is about five percent, which is pretty close to um, the amount that we increased the earnings forecast by. So, you know, again, a combination of strong economic growth outlook, fact that companies have done just tr- tremendous job uh, managing their bottom lines in a difficult period with supply chain disruptions and cost pressures. Uh, you've got that inventory piece that Mark brought up uh, you know, this, this is just a tremendous environment for, uh, corporate profits. And so that momentum we think carries through into next year and can support, uh, higher stocks from here, uh, front. we talked about some of the risks, you know, I'll start with one and then Mark, maybe you can go into, uh, some others besides the Delta variant, which we we all are well aware is certainly a wild card here. Um, the, Uh, the potential for tax increases next year is a risk now we've got some probability of corporate tax hikes in our 2022 uh, earnings numbers so if we do get that we do think we still have a a decent shot at you know double digit earnings growth next year and making a run at that 218 but certainly higher taxes uh, would make that more difficult so any any other things you'd be concerned about mark uh, besides um, uh, Delta and taxes, that could make those numbers tough to hit.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll point to monetary policy. I think I mean you know given some uncertainty in, in monetary policy, I think we've we've benefited over the last 12 months from relative certainty in, in monetary policy, and now we're going to get some some general lack of visibility in that in that uh, realm. Over the next 12 months would be my guess. And the other aspect is, you know, is you know is uh, Chair Powell going to be in the seat? You know, uh, come this time next year, uh, probabilities still favor him uh, being the chairperson of the Federal Reserve. So that so there's that. But you know, there there is that uncertainty that's that's hanging over the market, maybe just a just a little bit. So um, monetary policy has been so key to, to the recovery and, and the, the feel good aspect and uh, for investors. Uh, and if there was a directional change in that, then that could um, you know kind of quell things just a bit.
2: Yeah, we get the FOMC minutes tomorrow, so that'll uh, turn the temperature up on the, the Fed watching. No doubt, uh, important uh, thing for, for all of us to watch. And, and that's one of the reasons why um, You know stocks are are so well supported it's it's earnings, of course, but interest rates certainly a key input uh, into stock valuations and um, you know at about one and a quarter on the 10 year yield uh, certainly um, for now yields are providing a lot of support for stocks. up i'll add one more thing. Uh, You know Ryan has mentioned this a lot He's, he's out on Twitter on this today, you know, this is the fastest bull market to double. Uh, in in history or at least since 1950 and uh you know we haven't had a five percent pullback since uh, october of last year so we're probably due for a little bit of a pullback you know you mentioned mark it's a seasonally weak time uh, we've also already eclipsed the average gain in year two of a bull uh, i think that covers nine bull markets <clears throat> so that is certainly uh, something to watch uh, as well that may suggest we need um uh, to take a little bit of a breather, uh, the monetary policy and Fed uh, discussion is a is a nice segue into um, uh, the last piece of our agenda. Mark, before we get into the, you know, kind of the week ahead, uh, even though the the week is is certainly part over. Uh, we did a blog last week on lplresearch.com about stagflation, citing the misery index, and so monetary policy certainly could disrupt the stock market. Uh, later this year. And certainly, uh, you know, we need continued improvement uh, in the job environment and just the economic environment in general to support those earnings gains we just talked about. So a lot of people have been throwing around the idea that we're heading for a 1970s style stagflation mark, which just means you've got slow growth and high inflation. Those don't usually come together, but they did in the seventies, you know, I'll I'll start with, with one big difference, and then uh, pass it to you, Mark. The um, you know one of the big reasons why we had stagflation in the '70s was was high oil prices, uh, and you know certainly we don't think anything close to, uh, you know that level of stress from oil prices is in the cards. Uh, even you know $150 where we peaked, uh, you know, at the early part of the financial crisis. Uh, we can't envision a scenario where we get back there. So sure, oil prices are up a lot since the lows of last year. Uh, but, um, you know, we we're certainly confident saying that this is not going to be a 1970s, you know, runaway oil driven inflation environment. Um, so uh, with that, Mark, you know, any other, um, you know, sort of distinctions between now and then that can, you know, cause maybe nervous investors to get a little more comfortable.
1: Sure. Yeah. And in, in, in no way do I believe we're going to get into a, a sustainable inflationary you know, in, environment. You know, I, I don't think the demographics speak to that, um, particularly here in the U.S. Um, I, and, I, and I think we, we enjoy a day and age where we have, as consumers, uh, perfect price competition for the, for the most part. I mean, I think what you had in in the '70s, for example, if if materials or input costs rose, um, then you know, then then um, then you know, manufacturers of products would pass those costs on to the uh, to the consumer, um, and then when those pro- those those prices would ebb, then those those costs or the prices for the goods would would remain you know relatively high because folks lack that visibility into uh, the price competition or the landscape. And and I think that has clearly changed today where, you know, I I believe uh, product manufacturers and retailers uh, know they can't afford to keep prices, you know, above uh, their competition uh, for very long. So once we get past this supply demand imbalance that's occurring in this post covid environment and i think we will get past that you know i think you know um input prices could come down uh and then prices overall could come down again as product manufacturers deal with that perfect price competition um and you know our our ability to you know kind of open up the internet and take a look at you know anything uh, from a price perspective from used cars to, you know, laptops to, to, you know, to, to vacation. So whatever we're interested in, we do have that perfect price competition. And, and that really keeps a lid on sustainable and inflationary pressures as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, no, no worry for me on the inflation front whatsoever.
2: Yeah. These, these supply chain disruptions are going to be resolved. Uh, eventually they've been showing up in in the auto market with the chip shortage. Those of you who've shopped for a car recently have seen that. Uh, So once we get those resolved um, and we get off of this reopening surge, you know, you'll have more modest economic growth. You'll have a normal, we expect um, supply chain uh, environment. And then it's still cheaper for companies to make stuff and get it to the customer than it used to be uh, because of technology. And, you know, we know from our economics classes in, in college that, you know the lower the margin of cost is the typically uh, the lower the price can be and so technology and globalization is related to that with cheap labor but cheap technology uh has certainly brought the cost of things down uh, and that puts downward pressure on inflation that that structural force uh is is not gone so certainly we'd be uh you know selling the uh, inflation narrative uh, and uh would, would expect uh, things to look pretty normal, you know, maybe not in the next three months, but um, certainly in 2022. Uh, so, you know, the misery index uh, is just sort of a way to gauge inflation or a stagflation rather, where you add uh, unemployment and inflation together based on the CPI, the consumer price index. And, you know, we're like 60% below the 70s highs right now. And, and those stats should get better because unemployment is falling and inflation should fall, so uh, I concur, Mark. Uh, not too much to worry about with stagflation. Um, so let's preview the week uh, before we wrap. Um, some of this uh, is already out, so it's not really a preview anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, certainly the Delta variant. We talked a, a fair amount about that. We'll continue to watch those stats. You know, a couple of the states that were hit first. Are starting to see cases fall. Um, I think Mississippi might be one of those. I think Missouri. Um, so, and it's the same thing as watching the UK, right? You know, the UK cases started to um, roll over as well uh, with this variant, and so that's certainly encouraging. We'll keep watching that. Uh, retail sales were a little bit soft, and certainly Delta was was part of that. Uh, Mark I don't know if you have any comments on on the retail sales but certainly um, you know a 1% decline isn't great uh, if you take out autos did a little bit better um, down around three quarters of a percent yep. uh, but still down and still you know kind of flattish the past few months is that something people should worry about?
1: I, I don't know if a, you know, kind of one month makes a trend, Jeff. So I would agree with you. I, I'm, I'm I'm not overly concerned about that. You know, you know, given you know, I think there is some Delta variant impact, as you indicated in in that number. I mean, on the on the good news side, this morning we did get you know an industrial production that was you know better than expectations by a considerable margin, and capacity utilization that continues to to move northward. So. That that you know from a, from a general health of of the uh, the manufacturing economy, that's that's actually you know pretty uh, pretty good do, good news. Manufacturing production was up you know one and a half percent in in July, well above expectations as is, is well. So, um, so some underlying good news, uh, even though the retail sales number wasn't quite up to snuff, but that can be a, a choppy number.
2: Yeah, and certainly we're coming off of the stimulus-induced surges of, of retail sales. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of getting out a little bit more, um, you, you know, which causes some of the spending to shift, maybe not in the last few weeks, but in general, in recent months, as we get out more, some sales like house home improvement projects, some sales kind of dip as, as other sales replace those. Um, and you end up with kind of sideways choppy action. So, you know, it's holding up at strong levels. Uh, we're still up about 16% year over year, which is amazing. Retail sales, you know, blew me away getting back to pre pandemic levels only about five months after the recession last year. It was just amazing. Uh, and so we're, we're fully recovered and at strong levels, just, you know, the month to month is kind of, um, going nowhere. Um, We also get some earnings uh, this week, which, you know, actually the home improvement retailers this week that that we've seen it from Home Depot evidence that this home improvement boom is certainly waning. Uh, And frankly, we've seen it in the national housing statistics too, uh, that maybe the housing market's cooling a bit, which makes sense since we're now you know moving so so, um, far beyond the lockdowns. That really drove that first wave of the housing boom. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on these retail results. Walmart's numbers were generally uh, well received by markets, which is certainly encouraging. It's it's a tough environment to um, you know to grow earnings off of these massive um, e-commerce numbers that we got um, a year ago. But in general, they're they're hanging in there pretty well. Uh, the last thing I'll let you comment on this, Mark, is the Fed. So do we expect to see anything in the Fed minutes that potentially causes people to move up their timetable for um tapering? It, you know, it seems like maybe uh, the market's kind of divided now on whether we see the start of tapering at the end of this year or early next.
1: Yeah, I you know I think what's going to be interesting to see from the Fed minutes is is the you know the the perhaps the, the, some discrepancy you're seeing between the views of of certain Fed members, you know how much divide there is in terms of uh, getting to that you know that tapering uh, plan you know sometime perhaps in, in the latter portion of 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 this year I think that's still generally consensus. So um, it'll just be. I think. I think if you get some signs of contention within the FOMC minutes, that may point um, uh, allow market participants to maybe think about a twenty twenty two tapering onset um, as opposed to a twenty twenty one. So we'll see what uh, the Fed members feel like uh, via the Fed minutes tomorrow, and and uh, and judge from there.
2: Yeah. I uh, well, just for those who who aren't following this stuff closely, tapering just means starting to reduce the Fed's bond purchases. They're buying mortgage-backed securities and treasuries right now to the tune of $120 billion a month. Um, it'll probably take between 9 and 12 months for them to stop. Uh, they'll do sort of an even amount each month, give or take, and, and, and that process should start in the next few months. Uh, it's been well telegraphed, so it's probably not going to disrupt markets too much uh, maybe the concern is that once you taper, uh, then the Fed would start raising interest rates. Presumably, at least if the environment supported that. Um, so, you know, historically stocks have done well during. Uh, you know, they've had some bumps, but during tapering and the start of a rate hike campaign, generally stocks have done pretty well because you got to have a, a strong economy to support that move, generally uh, from the Fed. And so we would expect that. That the stock market follows that same path this time and generally uh, rises during this uh, rate hike campaign, which frankly could take years. Uh, it's it's going to probably start later this year, uh, but could if certainly if Delta variant slows the economy and slows the job recovery, um, we could certainly see tapering. You know, start in um, early twenty twenty two. So that'll be a big focus for markets um, this. Uh, uh, this week with the, with the minutes coming out on Wednesday. Uh, so anything else on your radar, Mark, for, for people to watch this week?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that, that'll be the key number. I mean, you know, the, the Fed minutes tomorrow, you know, also we get tomorrow housing starts and building permits. So the interesting thing there will just be, you know, the seeing per, perhaps the impacts of, of input costs or, or ability to get you know materials in order to build more houses and and you know kind of uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and allow for more uh, building permits to occur for the month of July. But you know so the housing starts number was a little bit weaker uh, than expected last month in, in June because or actually I should say in, you know in June. Uh, because of uh, some of the you know, kind of supply-demand constraints in that space. So that'll be something to watch tomorrow as well.
2: Yeah, we, we still got to build more houses. No doubt there's a little bit of a squeeze in a lot of places uh, across the country. So good, good call out there, Mark. Uh, I think with that, um, we will um, go ahead and, and wrap up. Uh, unless, Mark, you have any closing thoughts, I'll just thank everybody for
1: joining. Yeah, I would say thanks for joining, and and uh, look forward to getting Ryan back uh, tomorrow.
2: Yes, thank you, Ryan, for uh, letting us uh, take over for you. I think uh, I think we survived. I think we we took good care of your baby, uh, but uh, we certainly uh, uh, look forward to having you back next week um, and uh, and and doing your thing. So uh, so thank you, Mark, for for joining. Thanks, everybody, as always, for listening, and uh, we will be back with you next week.
0: See you then. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical, and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.